0: I am really excited today's guest. Uh, He's a legendary guy, Jordan Belfort. You probably also know him as the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, He's got a new book, The Wolf of Investing, my playbook for making a fortune on Wall Street. It's just out. A lot of great stuff in there that that really is just just kind of... uh, takes on a lot of sacred cows, Uh, basically a lot of the bullshit of Wall Street and the big banks, uh, says a lot of smart things. We're going to get into it. We're going to first talk a little bit about his illustrious, colorful past, and I have to first thank you. You're responsible for about 60 to 80 hours of real joy in my life. I've probably watched The Wolf (laughs) 30 times. I I mean, it's candy. It's fucking candy, and I know I'm not alone in saying that.
1: It's great, great, good movie. Especially if you're on an airplane traveling somewhere, you want to blow three hours, and just have a you know a little funny. It's just a. Uh, it's, it's a guilty pleasure in some sense, right? I've You know, I've seen it a bunch of times. I like the first 70% a lot more than the last 30%. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, it's a lot more fun. I
0: You know, I, as a guy that ate more Quaaludes than just about anybody, I I mean, when I was sitting in the theater for the first, I was at one of their early screenings and the fucking Quaaludes scene, when I and like you could tell the people of a certain age in the audience because certain people <laughs> were just sitting there just going, okay, and other guys were just fucking falling off the chair because like Quaaludes had never been, depicted in the media it was not a drug that you know we knew it growing up in long island in queens and and growing up in the 70s and early 80s but the world did not know it and you guys kind of really brought, brought the the wonderful world of quaalus to the screen you know so i remember because as a, a long island i
1: was queens which is on the i, I grew up in bayside also i grew up in bayside also Right. So, like, you used to on the, uh, on like, a Sunday morning on the uh, Clearview Expressway in the LA, you'd see c- c- cars cracked up from people who were coming home from the city on loots, thinking they could drive but couldn't, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyway, yeah, that was that was an interesting time. It was a time before, you know, everyone had a smartphone with cameras so you could get away with a lot more back yeah. then. You know, it wasn't video of you stumbling around and, you know, basically making an ass of yourself but having a lot of fun in the process. You know, what
0: we, I'll just ask a few things about the movie that we'll move on. When you learned that Leo was the guy who would kind of option the book, wh- what was the first kind of thing that went through your head? So it was, you know, it's funny. I had this
1: conversation yesterday with a, uh, with a director for, you know, the Broadway show we're talking about. And, uh, and interestingly, so it was a bidding war between Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and Mark Wahlberg.
0: <laughs> like the four coolest alpha. Movie right. stars in the world,
1: you know, you know, and at the time, you know, at the end, you know, Mar- it was a long time ago, so Mark Wahlberg wasn't quite as big a star as he is yeah. today, right? So, we, so it kind of got overshadowed by Leo and Brad, and George was a little bit older, and um, but yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, it was like shocking to me, and then especially when Scorsese got into the picture, I mean, I'm like, wow, I'm like total dream team. So, what could you say to that? You know, they just come off the departed uh, Oscars, and I was like, sold to you guys, you know?
0: Yeah, you ain't gonna get much better than that, the, you know. The movie speaks for itself as far as its entertainment value, but it hits a very deep nerve in so many people, particularly young guys. Uh, What is it about that movie and your story, and there's a rise and a fall and a rise, that hits people in the gut? There's something about that movie that connects beyond just, it's a great movie and it's a great story and you're an interesting character. Something else is going on there.
1: So I think, you know, on some level, it's every guys, you know, young guy from who comes from a poor family or middle class family. It's almost like, a, you know, it's the dream encapsulated in a movie. And I, and I think it's very easy, like, especially, like I said, the first 70%, and you see the rise it's, of it all. It's fantasy, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and, like, it's just like, it's like this just unbelievable, like, everyone's dream. Now, obviously, it, it looks a lot sexier on the screen than in real life, you know, there's a dark side to it, right? Of yeah, course, of, course, of course, right, yeah. And there's consequences. I went to jail. Um, but that you know but it's funny if you would have, it's so weird if you would have asked me when i was 24 years old 25 years old if you could make all this money and spend one year in jail would, I, would you do it? i say yeah probably by the way a lot of guys think- would a lot of guys would I'm being honest. You would yeah. think that because I, I remember like, you know, you year in jail. Yeah. But in reality, if you know, if you asked me the same question today, I would say no fucking way. I, yeah. was, I would never do that as, as an older, wiser person. But when you're young, there's just so much like, you know, the, you bring insecurities, you bring hopes into your, into your adult life, your adolescence. And, you know, and then suddenly when you're on the cusp of greatness like that, and, then, and it wasn't just me, I think the beauty, I'll tell you what it is about the movie. It's not just that I made a lot of money. It was the empowering of all these young kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the average kids from, you know, average families that were not destined for, to be rich, not destined for greatness, so to speak. Right. And, teaching them a system, you know, and the sales and the camaraderie that I think is what it is more than how much money was made by me. It's all the other people that were in the boardroom and how they got rich as well. So that's so enticing for both young men and women. It's not just men, it's women women as well. Right. And, and, and I think that, and, and again, you know, when you're younger, you know, the consequences are not as clear in your mind. So today I'd love to have done the whole thing again, but with a different type of product. Like, well, I guess
0: that's my, that's the billion dollar question I have for you that I've always thought and we don't know each other well. We've met once or twice that you have the two skills that are the billion dollar skills. You can sell anything and you know how to motivate and lead people. Okay, with right. that, that's the, those are the two secret sources and you could have done it without the cutting the corners, without without the shady stuff. So I, that's what always amazed me. I'm watching you and I, I'm like, this guy's got it. I, I mean, you—you you, people will fucking follow you to the end of the earth. You, you, Your essence of selling and understanding, you start with the other guy. I mean, all the stuff. So obviously, that's right. a question you've asked yourself throughout your life. Yeah, I think so, some of it was
1: bad luck in the sense in, in, in the sense that who I met as a mentor, in other words, I just got, met a person, I was young, a bit naive, and like, I was, so, and was my ability to sell and also as an entrepreneur outstripped my knowledge of Wall Street at the time. In other yeah. words, I was very young, I started a big firm, and then the market crashed, I ended up in a very small firm, and I really wasn't fully aware, and I, I became aware pretty quickly, but in the, in the beginning, I wasn't aware and got sucked into this sort of, on down this road of sort of, you know, the most deloped. The price speculative, wildly speculative stocks, right? right. And then I try, and I try to battle back from that and do better deals like a Steve Madden shoes and whatnot. But the problem is once you're on that road, it's very, you know, you you know, it's very difficult to get off that road, especially because, you know, everything you do then is there's a five-year statute limitation. So when I got in trouble, it was like for things I'd done many years before on Wall Street. I was even out of Wall Street when I actually got indicted. But I I think that some of it's that, is I just met the wrong people at at, at the wrong time. And also, um, um, you know, the desire for instant gratification when I was very young was was just it was so intense. And like today, I realize that you know it's the best things in life usually take a little bit of time. Yeah, like writing this book, it was a year and a half yeah, in the making, amen, right? Amen. But when it comes out, it takes time. And you know, so the long term value, the long term success, usually have you have to delay your gratification a bit. So. um I went into the into the into that five dollar the world of five dollar stocks and I went into it kinda a bit half cocked, honestly, knowing yeah. a lot more about how to sell them than how to create
0: good ones. Yeah. You know? And it's no doubt you look. You, I remember. I probably you were selling. Forget it, people know when you story. You sold meat. You sold uh, lobster. But I remember on the beaches you selling those Italian ices. I mean, I remember that the guy in the, the coolers. There were a few guys. There were a bunch <laughs> of guys. I mean, a West End two uh, an Atlantic yep. Beach. I, I yep. mean, and you guys were mint. I remember like talking to this guy. I can't remember his name. It wasn't you. And he told me what he was making on a Sunday. I mean, you worked your ass off, but I guy was like pocketing like $4,000 on a Sunday. And, and when, you're, was, when you're 18 was insane years insane. old,
1: that's that's a lot of a lot of bread, you know? S- especially back in the day, right? So yeah. I mean, I started off on Jones Beach in uh, Field 4. I did Field West Four 2. I, uh, yeah. I, I did Point Lookout. I did right. I did Fields. I, I did yeah. everything. And I was the greatest beach, the greatest job ever as a kid to make so much money. And that also, by the way, set the stage for like me as an entrepreneur because I realized at a very young age, like, if I work my ass off, yeah. you know, and I'm willing to do what other people really aren't willing to do, it was a hard job, right? I was making somebody $60,000, $70,000 in the summer.
0: You mentioned Steve Madden. Steve Madden has become one of my closest friends. Great I know guy, he, by the way. He's a special guy. and I don't think you guys have spoken in a while. What would happen if you guys kind of ran into each other now?
1: Oh, I, I give him a hug. I mean, I love Steve, and I, I and I think he's wonderful, a brilliant guy. We had we had our, our our falling out back yeah. in the day, but I think we both looked at it. I know he's when he's in public, he says nice things about me, and vice versa, yes, right? Yes, yes. But I, I, like we all listen, we all got caught up. Yeah, in, in, in this, it, just like. In this insane insane period, right? Yeah. And Steve and I did magic together. We really did with Steve Madden shoes. I was a startup, right? Steve and I were very close. We worked together day, day. After I left Strat, I went to Steve Madden for a year. And part of it's my fault. I was massively addicted to drugs at the time. Steve had already gotten sober. Yeah. Right. So I would be coming into the office bouncing around on Quayludes, right? But you know, I think that Steve is a testament, by the way, seriously, to someone that really like just building a brand from scratch. And he by the way he was a recovering drug addict from his from his uh, 20s he's been you know, sober and, for
0: 30 years like, for 30 40 years, years yeah, right yeah. but
1: but like it's a testament and again I think it's another thing in the movie and why I think it was so special that with the comeback stories that people look at that and they say you know what I've screwed up I've made mistakes but watch this guy came back from like jail from a drug addiction well you know?
0: he talks he talks it's interesting I interviewed him at some retail conference in front of like 2,000 young retailers and when you start talking about prison People lean in. There's almost a, I don't want to say a prestige, a cachet to that you did time and you came out and that has built his, I don't say that's not, his brilliance has built his brand, but that has added to his brand. It just
1: adds to the to, because I think people respect the fact that you know you go to jail, okay? You, you know you you pay your debt, so to speak, to society. Do your time, and the question is, what do you do when, when you're there, and what do you do when you get out? Like, do you become a career criminal? Like you become, use it as gladiator school, or do you use it to learn from the mistakes that you made, get stronger, and go at it again, and this time even better, and don't cut any corners. And that's what Steve did, obviously, on the way out, and myself as well. So, um, and you know, we both took different paths. I went, you know, I didn't. So Mom was an accidental one to become a writer. I just, you know, my, when I went to jail, my bunkmate just by chance was Tommy, Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong, I love that. I love that. That's genius, and, right? And, and that was the start of me writing because he's like, oh, you got to write a book. Your life is so insane. And, and, and that's how it started. And from there, it went into first, you know, going out and giving speeches afterwards and 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 mentoring people in entrepreneurship. Then ultimately, it was sales training. And then eventually, you know, what, what forced me to write this because this book, I don't like writing. I hate writing. Right? Writing, started, writing
0: I mean, sucks. Yeah, writing sucks. It's read tough, a right? Of books, yeah. I
1: mean, I love having- I Love having written. I just yeah. hate writing, right? So I, I never talked about investing before. I, I never did. I spoke about sales, on entrepreneurship, but I've trained people all over the world and hired by companies everywhere, but I never talked about investing. And the reason is I didn't want to get involved with like, you know, picking stocks and t- it's yeah. it's a dicey business, right? And then, you know, but, but I watched my brother in law, my, my my wife's br- brother and sister, and they they were getting buried yeah. in the stock market like this is like a couple of years ago in crypto and in stocks. And I'm and he asked me to look at his portfolio. And I'm like, this is just insane. Right. And that was really I was like, you know what? All right, here's what you should be doing. And I went and I laid out a very simple an arguably proven strategy yeah. for building long-term wealth in the market, right? Yeah. Which is really powerful, and which is not even—it's a, a well-known thing, but it's like the worst and best-kept secret. Like everyone, if you ask anybody, what's the best investment out there for the average individual? They'll tell you what it's in this book, right?
0: Not as in much detail. And by the way, the the, what you, the one thing that in the book that I just have always—I've learned the hard way over forty years—is fucking S and P. If you just put in the fucking S and P, like it's like you know, forget that it's made ten percent over twenty years. It's like if you kind of step back and okay that's the world and if i believe the world's gonna keep going forward and i like like and you know i've learned and, and I, I do all these fancy hedge funds and this and every alternative shit and i finally got to the place now where like i'm in the fucking index funds and then i have some money i play with and some cash and good night you know
1: and if it doesn't go the world doesn't go forward then we have bigger problems Everybody's fucked. Yeah, that's it everybody's <laughs> fucked yeah i mean that, that's it. But, it you know so here's the, here's the thing with that. So when I started writing this book, you know, I, I very quickly, and I always knew that you know, there's a, a, a couple of key investments you want to make, right. That are very simple, set and forget investments, right. That have virtually no costs and expenses associated with them. Right. And I always knew that and I done it myself, but when I started doing the research and like really going back to all the studies and the academic stuff, I was like, like this, is like inarguably, like by far the best way for anyone to really have a, a giant nest egg waiting for them when they're ready to retire. And the problem is, though, while the information's out there, it's so dry and boring yeah. that no one was going to want to read it. So I had to figure out a way to, you know, how do I write this in a way y- using stories and some humor and some my irreverent self, right? right, and make it like laugh out loud, funny, but at the same time give some well, you know, you to sell a fucking book,
0: my friend. You you just you just you just gave me the bite right there. You know what I mean? I'm gonna let you get rich and I'm gonna t- not rich or be smart investing, but I'm gonna do it in a fun way. So it's not like going to school. I mean, you just sold a fucking book, you know? I mean right? That's that's, it, you know, that's yeah. the the story. So and
1: interestingly, as I was writing the book, like my pop, my editor from Shimon and Schuster, like when I was like halfway through or three quarters of the way, he's like, dude, you know how much money you've saved me? I'm just as I'm editing <laughs> your book. I'm like, I've changed everything I do. I got rid of my my hedge fund badge, I like fucking mutual funds, and I went into this sort of, you know, this what, what I really talk about in the book is is something called Indexing and long term compounding and dollar cost averaging. Those are three pillars of really smart investing. And what those really are, just for the people listening here, it's very simple, right? Is that, you know, human beings by our nature, we're really shitty stock pickers. We I am. just are. We all are. Yeah. Okay, who you are. you you know, maybe, and there's a few exceptions like Warren Buffett, all right, sure. but he's not even picking stocks anymore. He's buying companies, right? Yeah. But there are a few great, like, world
0: class. Stevie Collins. Yeah, pickers, I mean, there are a few guys few. But the, Yeah, right.
1: But, they're not taking your money. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't invest your money with them. You they, could early on, they but
0: get, they gave it back. They
1: gave it back. Right. They'll give it back. Right. So, 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 and you have then you have the rest of the hedge funds and mutual funds, which are really subpar or average. And just fucking on a
0: two and 20 scheme. It's a, it's a, fucking, it's a compensation scheme. I mean, it is just. When, exactly. So, when they take, when they deduct their fees, their compensation. There's no other business boxes. where you could, you're running, if you're running $3 billion and the market's up 20% and you're up eight, which means you took a shit, you personally made like $100 million out of the year. It's the only business that you can either win from mediocrity or losing. It's incredible. Here's the way I look at it, right? So the
1: the, the trap for the average individual, right, is like you say, well, I wanna invest my money wisely. I wanna have a, a giant nest egg waiting for me when I retire. So I need to seek out an expert in doing this because an expert's gonna help get me the best results. So why would you do that? Well, we've been conditioned to think that way, and rightfully so. For example, if you're you have your, your a problem, in your stomach, your appendix is about to burst. I would strongly advise you to exactly. go to a professional, go to
0: a surgeon. You go, you okay, got legal problems, them, you go to a really good fucking lawyer. I mean, it's, right? It's a, it's don't a, you don't know, do here. your own legal work. Don't yeah, do your right. own
1: surgery. If your if your pipes burst in your house, don't try to fix your own pipes. Hire a fucking plumber, right? right? So, so that's works in life to seek out experts. The one exception is fucking Wall Street. If you want to get the best return, don't hire an expert. They they, they do not add extra value. well Forget value
0: you, the fucking fees. I mean, that's what you talk a lot about in the book.
1: It's not even just that. It's also that when someone you give someone your money to or they're managing a billion dollars or a few billion dollars. They have to show activity. Why? Because what? How what are they you justify doing? Yeah. Because yeah. 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 They, they know the best investments. just take it and buy an S&P 500 and just buy it and hold it. Right. Right. But if they do that, we'll say, well, why do am I, I you paying for? Sure. this yeah. person yeah. fees? So they have to show activity. Right. And it becomes, as you said, a fee scheme in the sense that the more assets they Collect the more management fees they get, no matter what. And then it's also heads I win, tails you lose. So if they make money one year, they pull 20% of the profits out of it. Yeah. Right? If they lose, you pay all the losses. What kind of game is know, that? I so it's, it's it's insane. And and then and and on the other side though, I don't wanna demonize Wall Street more than let's listen, I do in the book, but I do it with a caveat. I say, listen, Wall Street serves a necessary, vital purpose in the U.S. economy. It does. Without Wall Street, we'd be screwed. Wall Street creates massive value, takes companies public, finds the best ones, gives them additional capital, secures the credit markets, the debt markets, right? It's instrumental, Wall Street. So that's the useful part of Wall Street where they create massive value. But then you have the not-so-useful part or the shit part of Wall Street, the CD underbelly, where they create bubble after bubble after bubble. They rape yeah. and pillage the village with massive fees and performance right. bonuses. And they, uh, the CBOs, and they also and have this every, sort of- These ridiculous got, products, And they also right. have massive advertising and infotainment where they convince you you should be trading for the short term versus doing the smart thing, which is long-term buying and hold strategies with the best companies in America. So it's like, so the question is, how does an investor, an average person, listening to this podcast right now, whatever, whatever age you are, how do you extract the, the maximum amount of value that Wall Street does in fact create without getting sucked into their corrupt casino, which is the short-term trading game where they usually buying and selling, going from this sector to that sector? Like where you watch Jim Cramer, okay, who's like, if you listen to his stuff, it's like you get financial whiplash from the guy. One day he's selling data to buy this, sell this. If you go the opposite, you probably do better. But the point is, is that sort of activity is, is not invest, it's speculating. And there's nothing wrong with speculating. I love I speculate, right? But if I'm going to speculate, it's not with my main portfolio.
0: What's I'll amazing five- as, as I'm listening to you, I'm so blown away because you—it's the ultimate story of you, the ultimate cowboy. Everything this book preaches against <laughs> is, the is what, of what you I started, And now that you're a wise, evolved gentleman, father, person, you're like, no, guys, no shortcuts. Here's the deal. Here's the bullshit, and no, no cowboy stuff. We're going to go right down the middle. You know. If, if you want to be a cowboy, that's great, but do it. Money that you can afford to lose, like five percent of your money,
1: have fun. Maybe you'll make money, but like you probably won't, you know. And it's and this is not like just me saying it; it's historically proven, mathematically. There's been study after study. And the thing is, is that when you go back, and I in the book, I give you a really, a really funny history of Wall Street. And the reason I do that is because it's not enough for me to just say it. Like if I just say it, do this, everyone's like, all right, well, but if I really show you like how this came to be, you know, and how this because there's like this amazing investment out there right now, right? Which starts with this S&P 500, a low cost, ultra low cost index fund, reinvesting your dividends, whether it's through an ETF or mutual fund, either one is fine, paying on on some, and I go through that. But the point is, is how do we arrive here? And and why does this make so much sense now? Did it always make sense? The answer is no, it didn't exist when I was starting out. You really didn't have it. It was just getting started. Yeah, that's true. That's the, interesting. The, yeah, the yeah. ability to go out there and buy all you know, the s 500, for those who don't know, is the 500 biggest, baddest, best companies in the United States, right? In all you're, buying the, you're buying the U.S. economy is
0: basically what you're Exactly. Doing you're
1: yeah. buying the U.S. economy, right? Which has been historically a great bet. And also, by the way, it's not just the U.S. economy. You're, and global, well, like a
0: third bet. of it, yeah, it goes globally, yeah.
1: 40% of it is yeah. overseas. So you're getting overseas exposure as well, right? So, you know, essentially, and, and, and even better still, is that the 500 companies that are in the index today are are not the same as they were five years ago or yeah. they were three months ago. They change them out when a company starts to fall from grace or becomes less relevant or they change the weighting based on how the economy, you know, and right now, information technology is obviously the biggest thing. Industrials are much less than they were 30 years ago, right? So, so it's essentially, as you say, it's mirroring the US economy and you have exposure to all the best companies. So what happens is if Wall Street goes and finds a great company and takes it public and ra- and they become the next Google or Meta, right? Well, guess what? It ends up in the S and P. You're gonna you're gonna own that. You don't have to worry about that, and you have this incredibly tax efficient way of having exposure to all these great companies, right? And that's the first part. The second part is, and I think what really stops people from taking advantages is they say, "Well, I know it makes sense, Jordan, but I only have ten thousand dollars to invest." How can I, I, I gotta rel-
0: turn that ten into a hundred and four years. Yeah. I mean that's what they're looking how for. How am yeah, I yeah.
1: how am I gonna how is ten thousand dollars gonna ever amount to a million dollar nest egg when I'm ready to retire? Because it makes ten percent a year to eleven percent a year, right? The answer is it will through something called
0: long term compounding. Yeah, it's it's a shocking thing. I mean, thing, that's, Buffett, but believe- that's Buffett's thing. I mean, that's his that's his whole yeah. raison d'etre. That's Warren Buffett right there, you know? Exactly. And and it just it just
1: seems like unlikely if like <laughs> when you first think, oh, I gotta make a uh, as you said, I I've got to triple my money this year. If i want to do anything, I got to have a few, I got to find the next Apple, or the next token that's going to moon. Right. And, and the fact is you don't through this power of long-term compounding at even 11% a year, it, it, when it gets to that twenty plus years, it starts to go parabolic. Yeah, and even a small amount of money. So here's what the, the case I make in the book: start with a you know as much as you can, but even a small amount is fine. Ten thousand dollars, five thousand is enough, right? And then each month, whatever you can, if, if it's fifty dollars, a hundred, hopefully more, even whatever it is, add to it every month or every quarter. If you do that and you reinvest your dividends, and the S&P just does what it's been doing for the last hundred years, which is a pretty good bet. And if it doesn't, as you said, we have. Problems right. in that, right? We're all fucked anyway, right? You're gonna end up, the mathematics you'll have a few million dollars when you're ready to retire. And by the way, for people in their 20s and 30s, that's pretty freaking young, by the way, nowadays. People are living longer. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and the, and the future's coming, whether you believe it or not, you know, either you could say fuck the future or the future's gonna fuck you. So choose which one you wanna do. And the, how do you secure your future? Is Follow the advice. This book is, it, it's an argument, it's the right advice. It's not like, buy this, sell this. It's just literally, it's, as you said, it's plain vanilla. It's just common sense. And it's so easy to do now with platforms out there. You don't need a broker. You don't need financial advisors.
0: You just don't need that stuff. It's so plain and simple. I got to tell you, what's on display here is your gift because this draw true. I've interviewed so many people and a lot of people have got books and I really want to read your book. You sold me on the book. I, I mean, it's just it's like, I haven't book. read, it's just that, like, I'm like, as I said, I've been a shitty investor. I've been really good at making money, not good at investing like a lot of people. I mean, I built a big ad agency. I sold it for an insane amount of money. But since then, I, if I was a smart investor, I would be worth three X what I am now. You know so I mean?
1: here's like, I give you an example. Like here's like the, t- the sort of like style of the right. So here's the first word. Incredible. I thought my brother-in-law, Fernando has got the Midas touch. In reverse, every investment he touches, every stock, every option, every coin, every token, every bloody NFT, every last one of them turns completely to shit. So that's, that's essentially how it starts, right? Yeah. And so it's like, it's not like I'm teaching you about the market and this fuck where you're going to, it's like, you're laughing funny because it's human stories about people who are doing justice as, as you said, if you need more three X, if you didn't invest your money like a madman, right? Yeah. But here's, here's the thing too, you're fortunate because you make a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? And you have the ability to always recover and you still mm-hmm. live a great life, Many people they can't afford to like. To, to my brother was yeah. wealthy too, by the way, right. which is the irony because a lot of people that are the successful wealthy educated, bad investors, educated, yeah. bad investors. Bad investors yeah. right? So because
0: so this- they have been taught go find an expert. I'm smart yeah. enough to know what I don't know instead of figuring out what you need to know because that's my whole. Strategy world is just find the best people and, and delegate and let them do their thing. And, and to it, your and point, it, works great. it, it doesn't Except work it works. in this area. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. You know, you know why also
1: because and this is one of the great economic studies out there, which was it was in the seventies by a kid named Paul Samuelson, a famous economist. Uh, was, is that economics one A
0: war. I went to war, and that's the first book you read. You know, he did he like he did this massive study and like he just goes. They they
1: don't know the mutual future. They don't beat the index. They cannot. So there's obviously something going on here, right? So it was always this theory that you know that it's so hard to beat the market, but the data stacked up. They went all the way back to like 1880, and like all, every analyst report, every recommendation, every mutual fund, they don't beat the market, especially when you include the fees. In fact. One of the great chaps is the Warren Buffett, the million dollar bet that Buffett did when Buffett like was had been yelling this from the hilltops for a while. And finally, he made a, a you know, he called out the whole hedge fund. He said, I don't bet anyone a million bucks that over 10 years, you can't beat the S&P 500 after you deduct your fees. I don't care. One fund, t- choose as many funds as you want. Yeah. You can't beat it. And he bet, and someone took the bet and they just put up half a million dollars, right? I got him Ted Sidus. And he was on year seven, the other guy threw the, the towel, towel right? <laughs> it, was, it was so far behind, it was mathematically impossible to catch the S&P 500, right? right. And that guy had a, it was a fund-to-fund scheme with a hundred different funds attached to it. So it's like a layer cake of hedge fund fees. But the, the, the fact is, and Buffett was like simple, just S&P 500, right? Now, that being said, there are a couple of other investments you want to make as well that are that to balance out. Because also, you know, with the S&P, just remember, some years it goes down.
0: Yeah. Right? Some it, years it, it goes down. Uh, look, one year it went down 40%. I mean, so you, you exactly. can take a real hit, but it comes back. That's the thing it comes back. So you were about to say you were about to say the two other things, right? So in other words, there's, there's
1: uh, in terms of other products too that you want to buy. You want to also have some bonds in your portfolio, v- very small amount when you're younger, but more when you're older to balance. Because what that does is smooths out the ups and downs yeah. of, of of the S and P. Right? You talk about it in the book bonds. when you're
0: in your like 40s and 50s, it should be maybe like 70 30, and then by the time you get to 60, it should be 60 40. You know, which is basically right. what what everybody's been kind of told. You. I'm still. I'm still, even though I'm old, I'm still a 70, 30 guy, but you know, I should probably be 60, 40 that's at this point. Me, me, me too, right, by the right. way. I'm more like an 80, 20 because I hate bonds. But the yeah. thing is, is that what
1: they don't often say on Wall Street, though, is that 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 70 that's in stocks, maybe they say it should be in individual stocks that you pick and that's where the mistake. is. That's where start. the trouble gets, yeah. You don't, trying to pick individual stocks is really, really difficult. It's like, it's you have to, everything is counterintuitive and also you're chasing, you're, you're, you're playing against people- who have better, faster computers than you. I've always said to
0: myself, you're the last guy in. I I mean, if like, by the way, you want to put up a guy and say to me against me and go, okay, create an ad in the next 10 minutes, I'll blow everybody away. You put me up against guys who... 10,000 or 100,000 guys were doing this 24-7 with, as you said, the highest technology. You're the, le- as the word expression goes, is Gecko So you're the last guy in on the deal team, you know? Uh, yeah, I'll
1: give you an ex- a great metaphor for this. So you go to a casino, right? It try to pick individual stocks. Like you go to a casino and the odds are against you by maybe five or 6%, depending, depending on what game you're playing. And in that five or 6% is the massive profits that the casinos make and they build all this amazing stuff and restaurants and give you free trips because they make that five or 6%. That's a, a legitimate casino, no mm-hmm. crime committed, sure, it's a big, right? It's a big. But, but but then you have other casinos that are crooked where the deck is stacked against you with their loaded dice dealing from the bottom of the deck. Well, guess what? That's Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. So not only is the odds stacked against you because it's so hard to pick individual stocks, but the deck is stacked against you by people who are trading and have better information than you, faster computers. And sometimes like, you know, I don't want to mention any names here. It doesn't matter, but- you know, we, you watch billions. Everyone's trying to get inside information. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it, no, people it's try a, desperately to get some edge, right? They're always is, looking yeah. for and edge. It's,
0: it's a, it's a, even at its, even at the highest levels, it's a funky business. It's a funky. Exactly. Hey, before I let you go, before I let you go, I got to, I've interviewed thousands of people, everybody from Bill Gates to Harrison Ford to Bezos and everybody. You probably gave my single best answer when I interviewed, you're not going to remember this probably, but I was on CNBC at the time. And I you are, I was doing it like an eight o'clock show and I had you on as a guest. It was the night that Madoff was being processed. Okay. It was going and I said to you, I said, so Jordan, what's he going through right now? And you're not gonna remember this, but I and I've actually repeated this a bunch of times. You said to me, because I'd never heard this word before, I go, the worst thing, the most humiliating thing, you strip down and they gotta look up, you gotta you gotta lift your nuts lift sack. up. Your nuts ah, <laughs> I, 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 I was like, that's my answer. I've interviewed the greatest, I've interviewed the worst, single so, but By the way, the worst part is like it's so <laughs> I'm like, really?
1: It's even <laughs> as bad as spread them. And spread them <laughs> comes afterwards. You know? I remember that By the way.
0: I was sitting next to a woman anchor. Michelle. Michelle. Michelle Michele, was... Lee, yeah. And I remember she was like, the color drop. And I said, first time on CNBC, you heard the word nutsack. You heard it here, right here. I, 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 I,
1: I just I remember that. that. I fucking remember
0: that. I remember the studio I was in in California. I, did, I fucking remember That's that. It's so All funny. Right. The book, and, and as I said, guys, Get this book because, at the, at the very least, you're awesome. going to be entertained. But more than that, you're going to learn. I'm actually going to read it. And I don't say this to a lot of people. I, I am going to read it. I'll actually go out and buy it. It's because you know, we got to get the sales up. I mean, I'm sure it's already a bestseller. The book is The Wolf of Investing, my playbook for making a fortune on Wall Street. As I said, if you're scared of like dry books and how to, this is the opposite. You're going to get all the info, but you can have fun doing it. Exactly. Thanks, Donnie. You're the best. Jordan Belford, I appreciate it, man. You stay healthy and well, all right? My pleasure. Thanks.